is going on? That's right. It's your boy, Preston, Fat Samurai Guy. Holy shit. That's right. We're starting it off cursing right now because I'm excited <laughs> because I have a legend here in the movie dojo. That's right. <laughs> Actor, martial artist, stuntman, action designer. He's done it all. Jude Poyer. Welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. And we're going to talk about mayhem. That's right. We're going to get to that. We're going to lead up a little bit. And man, what a what a plethora, what a, what a history, uh, a legacy, if you will. I mean, you have done so much, sir. You have brought so much to the action and martial arts genre. And uh, man, I'm so happy that you're here. So let's just go ahead and get started right here. When uh, did you start? To, when, when did you get the inspiration to start taking martial arts? Look at that kick right there. Look at that. Oh, wow. Who's that <laughs> young man? <laughs> I think I think I just um, I just injured myself looking at the photo. <laughs> I just I just pulled something. Um, I was about uh, seven, eight years old when I sort of discovered martial arts. I I discovered movies before that. Um, my family was an early adopter of uh, VCR, VHS uh, tapes. So uh, I grew up loving movies. Uh, I remember young and enjoying the James Bond movies, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jaws. And then when I was eight years old, uh, my brother rented Ninja 3, The Domination, the Shokasugi movie. Yes. And uh, that was just like a big light bulb <laughs> moment for me as a seven, eight-year-old kid. Like, oh, I, I like this. And then I started just devouring whatever martial art movies I could get my hands on on tape and uh, started training in judo and karate. And that love of uh, cinema, drama and uh, martial arts just continued through my teenage years. And uh, I would say I probably was about nine, ten years old when I saw my first Jackie Chan movie. But I think it was in my teenage years that I really got into Hong Kong cinema and discovered uh, Jet Li, Yun Biu, Sammo Hong, John yeah. Woo, Lao Ga Lang, all these great action filmmakers. And um, legends. Yeah. Yeah. How cool is that? You, you had me at Ninja 3, The Domination. I mean, come on. <laughs> the movie starts off with a ninja uh, killing a whole bunch of people on the golf course. It's canon pictures, baby. What else do you want? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh it's, it's like a cross between The Exorcist and Flashdance yeah. with ninjas. Yeah. I mean, what, a, what an introduction. I'm sure there's lots of people that talk to you who say, oh, well, I saw Enter the Dragon. It was, right. uh, you know, the Grandmaster, Wongawai. And, yeah. you know, for me, it was uh, Shokasugi and Lucinda Dickey and uh, some stunt people in ninja masks. But, um, yeah, right. I, I, I love the sort of fantasy of it the yeah. creativity the the goofiness of it was fun yeah you know and yeah, uh i have to say that uh as a youngster um i would watch the canon movies and enjoy them and chuck norris movies and and those kind of things but pretty early on i i saw that there was a different level in in hong kong movies and oh, yeah. I, I was too young to put my finger on why but, um, you know, when you see a movie like Police Story, um, which I did when I was very young, I could tell that the action sequences were way ahead of the kind of fights we were seeing in America at the time. And yeah. in, in my teenage years, I, I think I was a bit of a snob with regard to like American action films, because now when I look at movies like Die Hard or The Last Boy Scout, 
I think they're superior to a lot of Hong Kong films of the time because they have much better cinematography and much better scripts. But they're kind of let down by their action, specifically the fights. Like I think Die Hard is like a almost perfect action movie. It's so well directed. It's so well paced. You care about the characters. Yeah. You understand the geography of the building. This is all things that the director and the scriptwriter have paid attention to. There's some really good stunts as well. But once John McClane starts fighting in that first movie, it doesn't really compare to the kind of thing that we <laughs> were seeing in Hong Kong movies. I think Eastern Condors was the same year as Die Hard. Oh, wow. And you look at yeah. the sort of cinematography and the editing and the pacing and, and, uh, and that Sam Hong was doing at the same time. And action-wise, Hong Kong cinema was years ahead of, of, of oh. Hollywood. I agree. I agree with that. I think McLean just kept he kept throwing the same right hand like during the yeah, whole fight. Yeah, and, and just a product of its time. But yeah, you know, but yeah. I'm sure we're going to get into this more uh, as we talk. But if, sure. if you look at Die Hard, a lot of the time it's a wide two shot where we can see the two characters, and then we're over the shoulder of a stuntman fighting one of the actors, and then we're over the shoulder of the other stunt double fighting the act. And it kind of gets cobbled together by the editor. And you yeah. can see stunt doubles very clearly in Die Hard for that reason, because they don't, or they didn't shoot the fights with the edit in mind. It was kind of like the stunt people would have put a fight together, then the director and the DOP would discuss how to shoot it. And then an editor would get a load of footage and try and assemble something exciting and coherent out of it, where Hong Kong cinema since the seventies the has had a very different approach where it's much more designed and uh, they shoot specific shots for the edit. And that's why the rhythm, the drama, uh, the clarity, the geography is just so much more clear. And of oh, course, yeah. it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that you had incredibly talented performers as well. Yes, you no. know, great screen fighters. Very well said. Very well said. I mean, police story is mind blowing. I just even till today, still yeah. to today, and they keep homaging it. And it it's okay. <laughs> you know, Bad Boys Two did it. Tango yes. and Cash did it. They're fun yes. movies. I enjoy those movies. I love those movies. But I mean, there's just something about the original. You know, yeah, just, I mean, I, I watched, uh, I, I revisited The Long Kiss a couple of weeks ago, and mm. and th there's a shot in that which is uh, very reminiscent of a shot in Police Story, and I'm sure that's not an accident. I think right. Harlan is paying homage to Hong Kong cinema because he did that. I think he directed one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and that was yes, very four. influenced, part four, and yeah. that was very influenced by like Chinese ghost story and what Choi Huck was doing at the time. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I depends whether you're being kind or cruel. I either pay homage or I rip off a lot of classic Hong Kong right. movies because they inspire me so much. Yeah, yeah, and we we both still love Die Hard. Oh, yes. no, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with being critical with with A plus movies or A, you know. No, no, Die Hard is. Yeah. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. when you look at the fights, it's like well, it's not as good as the script writing, or you know. I mean, also just to 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 sort of be kind to Die Hard, you know, the level of acting in Die Hard is better than in a lot of Hong Kong movies at the same time. I mean, there's some good actors yeah. in Hong Kong, but yeah. not many Alan Rickman's, you know.
Exactly, exactly. What a legend that guy is. Yeah, rest in power. But man, I mean, you started off high kicking. That's right. <laughs> Being a badass. How did you get into the film industry? And how did you become involved with, with Hong Kong movies, my friend? I don't think I was ever a badass. And uh, it was just like growing up as a, as a teenager, I, I, as I said, I loved martial arts and I loved cinema and I enjoyed acting in school plays and all those things. So I knew that I wanted to go into the industry. I knew some professional stunt people in the UK. I knew some professional actors and some of them were really, really talented, but they weren't working that much. And uh, my teachers at school were suggesting, you know, what do you do after this? Is it drama school? Is it film school? And I was watching these Hong Kong movies and I was seeing a lot of uh, white people, um, African-American people popping up in these movies, having fight scenes, getting screen time. And I remember thinking, well, maybe there's a, there's an opportunity to go to Hong Kong and, and learn on the job instead of mm. at, a, at a film school or at a, at a university. And this is something I still carry through to this day. I try not to compare myself to the best people out there, because if you do, you'll be discouraged. And I was seeing people like Jeff Falcon or Cynthia Rothrock, and I knew I was nowhere near as good at martial arts as those people. But I was seeing some people popping up in these Hong Kong films that weren't good at all. And I kind of thought, well, if they can make a living, maybe I can give it a go. What I didn't realize was that sometimes on Hong Kong movies, they would cast people like Billy Blanks or Cynthia Rothrock and pay them good money because they were really, really skilled. But also on other jobs, they would go to like the hostels and just find people that were backpacking around Asia and right. say, oh, do you want 50 bucks work on a movie? I didn't realize that. I mean, ignorance is bliss. And when you're young, you don't think about those things. So I went to Hong Kong, aged 18 years old, thinking I'm okay at martial arts. I can act a bit. I'm, I'm, I'll give this a go. And if it doesn't work out when you're 18 years old, you know, what's there to lose? Um, but really in my head, I, I thought if I can work in the Hong Kong industry, I can potentially learn from some of the best people in the world on the job. And, and I was fortunate that I was, I was able to, to get some experience and I lived there for, for eight years. Wow. Well, you learned the language and everything as well, right? Yeah. I mean, my Cantonese is far from perfect, but I can yeah. still, I can still get by even now, even if I don't speak it for six months, if I, it's funny, just a few months ago, I was with my girlfriend walking the dogs in Paris uh, one Saturday, Sunday afternoon, and we passed this restaurant and there was a gentleman sat outside at one of the tables. And I just turned to my girlfriend. I said, that's John Woo. <laughs> and she looked at me like, what? And, and instinctively I spoke to him in Cantonese, even though his English is really, really good. So, um, yeah, my Cantonese at the moment is better than my French. So. <laughs> I have to man, work on how, my French. How cool is that? Meeting John Woo like that. Another mm. another legend, man. They're still Absolutely. on Instagram right now. You know, uh, they're still posting, you know, scenes from the killer and hard boiled. Yeah. I mean, it's just unrivaled that era, man. It's, it's true. I don't, I don't think hard boiled has been topped. I mean, it's definitely top five 
uh, action movies of all time. It might be my number one. And yeah. uh, if any of it looks dated, it's because it's been so influential and so many filmmakers took what John Woo did and were inspired by it. But I mean, it's it's a pretty, pretty perfect yeah, example pre- of what an action much. movie can a be. Plus. And, a plus. Absolutely. And I, and, and I only spoke to director Wu for a couple of minutes because I didn't want to disturb him on his day off, you know, but I said to him, I'm, I'm the reason why I do what I do for a living is, is because of the kind of, because of your work, you know? Oh yeah. But you start in uh, and you were part of so many projects in, in Hong Kong, man, Gen Y cops, enter the Eagles, black sheep affair. I mean, a man called a hero, so many, and it's, it's really cool, man. It's really awesome to see you a part of all of these projects. But from going from a fan of Jackie Chan to actually meeting him, look at that, look at that young guy. Look at that young handsome oh. guy right there. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, were, were you, how nervous were you when you finally met him and had a chance to work with him? Were you, were you, were you nervous or were you more excited and anxious to work with him? I, I think trying to think back i don't think i was particularly nervous um i was excited of course but i would oh, say yeah. one thing about hong kong to maybe in comparison to a lot of western actors or stars is they're a lot more down to earth they're a lot more approachable and that could be the culture it could also be the fact that people like jackie chan and yun Biu have pedigree as stunt performers they work really hard they didn't have the silver spoon in their mouth when they were born. I remember when I got asked to do, uh, I got the job on a man called Hero. This was before I had a chance to work with Jackie Chan. For that one, I was really excited because uh, I would say I'm a Jackie Chan fan. And as a, as a youngster, Jackie Chan perhaps made the best movies of Jackie, Samo and Yun Biu. And I would say that Samo was the best action director, action designer. But as a performer, I loved Yun Biu. I loved his acrobatic style. I loved his kicking. And that, there was something about his screen presence that really appealed to me. And I remember I went to the audition for A Man Called Hero. And uh, they said, uh, this is being made by the people that made Storm Riders. It's kind of like a follow-up. And Storm Riders hadn't really done much for me. It was a bit too VFX, CGI, comic book style. Yeah. There's that saying, never meet your heroes or don't meet your idols. Right. Uh, because often they'll disappoint you. I mean, Yun Biu, he was every bit the professional and the performer that I could have hoped. But he was also a really nice guy. Oh, really man. approachable, really humble. And... Uh, uh, a great example. And um, I would say films I worked on in, in Hong Kong, although we shot that, that film in China, that one was probably the most special for me when I look back because I got to do a little bit of acting. I'm not a good actor, but I've acted in a Hong Kong film now. And then I got to fight with one of the best, one of my heroes. And yeah. also I got to experience stunts uh, playing this character. So I got to be on a wire for the first time. I got to be on fire for the first time. Yeah. So firsts for me. So I'm very grateful for that experience. Oh, man. What an, what an experience. And what an amazing uh, martial arts actor and legend in his own right. Yes. Filmmaker as well. Yes. I, 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 do, you, do you think, uh, do, you, do you feel, are you like me and, and feel that he's underrated? 
I, th- I think so. I think amongst the people that love action cinema and, and, and know Hong Kong movies, I wouldn't say Yun Biu is underrated as a performer because right. I think people know that a great screen fighter and also that he has doubled for, as a stuntman, he doubled for a lot of people and, and you know, he's doubled for Jackie, you know. So Yun Biu is like up there as a, as a performer. And um, so I don't think he's underrated in that way, but I think maybe he doesn't quite get the due that that's owed to him. I mean, I think Japan, he had a pretty big following. Yeah. But for some reason in the international market, in, uh, right. in uh, maybe even in Hong Kong, he just didn't have that box office appeal. Um, but uh, no, I think one of the things about Yun Biu, uh, beyond his physical abilities, he's a very likable persona. And um, I'm, I think it's a shame that that didn't travel too far, but I, I remember seeing him, this would have been around the time that like a lot of Hollywood, a lot of Hong Kong talent was working in Hollywood, like Zhao Yun-Fat, John Woo, Corey Yun, Jet Li. Yeah. I think uh, Sammo Hong was making the martial law series. And Yun Biu said to me, oh, Hong Kong talent is really popular and Hong Kong style is really popular in Hollywood right now. Why don't you go to go there? And I looked at him and said, no, why, why don't you go there? And he was like, oh, my English isn't that good. Uh-huh. And I was sort of saying, yeah, but there's other people whose English isn't that good who are, right. who are managing to forge yeah. a career. But I think Yun Biu is uh, uh, quite uh, – my perception is that he's quite a low-key kind of guy. He's not, right. like, super ambitious. Uh, he doesn't need to act like a big star, and I think he's quite happy as long as he's working and yeah, you know, yeah. doing good work and with his family and so on. That's what's important to him. And he's got hundreds of thousands of fans, probably millions, uh, that recognize uh, from the definitely from the action martial arts movie community and fans. We all know he's a legend. Uh, but speaking of legends, uh, let's take a little clip of your uh, fight, your little tussles with uh, Mr. Mr. Yoon Byu from A Man Called Hero. Let's check it out. Dude, that explosion, man. <laughs> that was insane. Oh my goodness. And you know what I love about that scene is how your character is on your character survived an explosion. Your character was on survived being on fire and then went right back to fighting. Like nothing. That was great. It was uh that 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 one sticks out for me. Uh I mean when I when I look at the the explosion now, I mean it's that was that was a long time ago. I think that was 1998. Um, for me, it looks a bit wiry, the, the, a bit floaty, you know, the way I fly away, but that, that's Hong Kong cinema of the time. Yeah. Being on fire, that was my first time on fire. And I remember just before we did it, the director, Andrew Lau, said, oh, in this shot, I want there to be a little bit of flame on you. And the idea was that I would fall away from camera with my back to the camera, sort of land on my front, turn onto my back and put myself out. And uh, I was wearing a leather jacket 
And that was the extent of my safety. There was no fireproof undergarments. There was wow. no cooling gel. And uh, on the first take, I landed on my front, turned on my back, and I was trying to put the flames out, and they just wouldn't go out. So I started to roll. And they went cut, 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 and they, and they put me out. They didn't have a fire extinguisher. They had an old uh, Hessian rice sack that had been dipped in water. That was what they put me out with. And they were like, why did you start rolling? And I was trying to explain that I couldn't put the fire out. And what the way they set you on fire for that is they use uh, rubber cement, oh. which, is, which is very flammable, you know, like a glue. And I've got bare skin. If this stuff's on fire and I touch it like that, I could have the burning glue on my hands. Um, but I didn't want to come across as like some cocky little kid from the UK that's telling them it's not safe. So I was like, okay, yep, I'll do it again. I won't, I won't. And I just rolled my sleeves up like this. <laughs> and that's why I'm, and I'm trying to put the flames out and they wouldn't yeah. go out. And in the movie, when you see me standing up, that wasn't part of the action. That was because the crew could see the flames were getting out of control. And they just so went, whoa. <laughs> and so I got up and they put me out. And then we had to continue with the, with the fight scene. But, uh, you know. Yeah. nobody was hurt yeah and it's immortalized on film so That's it was right. worth it i mean this this already you know uh this this image right here i'm already i already have anxiety uh looking at this image right here <laughs> and speaking of stunt work uh what's like the the craziest stunt you've ever done either either in, in hong kong or, or outside of hong kong you know it's, it's difficult for me because i think like Hong Kong stunt people are among the best in the world. And when I look at the, the work that's been done in, in the industry in Hong Kong, and then people call me a Hong Kong stuntman, of course, I'm proud of that title, but I also I feel a bit of an imposter because I don't think I did anything that came close to that. And there, there are stunt people out there that have done really incredible things maybe it's the one in, from a, a man called hero maybe that's the one <laughs> being on fire I, yeah <laughs> i mean i mean I've, i would say since then i've done uh quite a lot of work with fire and yeah. uh, things that have been bigger and more impressive right and also a lot safer <laughs> so you know exactly. but uh, i mean as a job i i'm i'm very happy that uh you know, that I got to experience that movie because like I said, there was fighting and stunts yeah. and, uh, and also, yeah, after that movie, I worked on a, another film for the same director called uh, Wesley's Mysterious Story, which was an Andy Lau film. And I was hired just as a stuntman on that. And I was quite, I was quite touched by that because uh, I mean, it, the movie was set in the States and they were filming a lot of it in Hong Kong. So they needed a Caucasian guy, but, it was quite nice to be hired as part of the stunt team as opposed to uh, as an actor who's doing some stunts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, but Hong Kong for me was a great education to see uh, how action can be done and uh, to work with some of the masters. Oh, yeah. Well, well like you said, it's a, it's a badge of honor, right? It's a badge of honor. Right? Uh, a Man Called Hero, is that your favorite Hong Kong project you were a part of? I think as a working experience, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, uh, as a movie, it's not great. 
but a lot of the projects I worked on in Hong Kong weren't actually that good as movies, you know, and, and but even some of the ones that were very bad movies, I treasure them for the experience. Uh, there was a director I worked with on, I think, three or four projects called Aman Zhang, and uh, he directed a film called Fist Power with Chiu Man Chuk. And it's not a great movie, but it's got lots of fighting. Oh, yeah. And uh, they shot the whole movie in 13 days. No. You know? Yeah. Um, and uh, Chiu Man Chuk is just an incredible screen fighter, an incredible martial artist. So to even if the fights aren't great, for me, it was a great experience in terms of like pressure. You know, we've got nine hours to shoot this fight sequence and maybe there's 50 or 60 camera setups and you've got to perform and you've got to take hits. And um, so as a learning experience, they were great. I think I learned more about action filmmaking, working on low budget Hong Kong films, movies like A Man Called Hero or working with Jackie Chan on The Medallion. Because when you're working on a small movie, you really see about shooting specific shots for the edit or making the best of the limited time you have. And uh, yeah, it's uh, working with some amazing people. And also, even though someone like Chiu Mancha is a big star in Hong Kong and China, again, he comes to set with no ego and it's just about getting the job done. I remember the the last couple of shots of our of our fight scene i get kicked and i roll down a steep hill with concrete and Oof. i end up rolling onto a gutter and getting killed it lands on my neck now when we did my little roll uh chilman check had already finished for the day so he could have gone home but he stayed to hang around at the bottom holding one of the crash mats for me to roll into Wow. You know, and that's and, and I think that was probably the first day I'd met him. You know, that's that kind of attitude uh, of like a star, but also a martial artist, a team player, a really, really great experience. Yeah, he uh, I'm such a big fan of Vincent, man. He's so good. Mm -hmm. He's so good. Uh, but man, uh, how was it working with Jet Li and Hitman? <laughs> You know, I, I, I think I was like 19 years old when I worked on that. And wow. Um, it, that was kind of surreal because I was a big Jet Li fan and posters of Jet Li on my bedroom wall back in London. And now I'm on set working with him and I'm supposed to be this focused professional. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, when I think back on it, I think I was very green. I was very inexperienced. I could have done a much better job. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful for, for that opportunity, you know, to, to share some screen time with one of the, the great martial art actors uh any crazy or fun or exciting stories uh filming the medallion i love that picture by the way <laughs> <laughs> the medallion was it, it's very disappointing how that film turned out but uh there was a lot of fun working on it i mean i think at the time it was the biggest budgeted hong kong movie ever because Jackie Chan was was having success in the States and international market with movies like Rush Hour. I think uh, Emperor Group were like, we are going to make a Hong Kong film, but we will do it English language and then it will sell internationally and it will be as if it's a Hollywood movie. It was it was great. I mean, we, I worked on it in Hong Kong and in uh, Thailand. Mm. And um, for the Hong Kong work, uh, 
there was an interior of a hospital which was meant to be in Dublin but uh, we shot the fight and Sammo Hung was directing that fight sequence so nice. I'd worked for Sammo Hung previously on knockoff but again for me he's like one of the best action directors out there especially for like contemporary style action he's a big influence on me so to be working on a Jackie Chan film with Sammo Hung directing the action unit for me if I stop and think about it I probably panicked you know it's a bit <laughs> like when I was doing uh when I was doing a man called hero and I was fighting in view there was a moment where uh he was chain punching me in the chest and we were doing very long takes because Andrew Lau liked to shoot the, the fights in masters so like the whole fight from the beginning to the end and I said to to you just hit me please make contact because that way you know I'm going to react and I was wearing a pad and he's punching me and I'm feeling these punches and I remember I had like a slight sort of out of body experience where I was like the prodigal son is using Wing Chun punches <laughs> on you you know uh and so so yes uh, but, but you have to focus and be a professional and right. not be a fan but of course yeah. I am a fan but with the medallion it's Sammo Hong it's Yun Bi, uh, it's uh, it's Jackie Chan and then actors like Anthony Wong and um and then I got to shoot in Thailand, which is a place that I absolutely love. And uh, I love filming there. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that in yeah. a little bit. And, yeah, in a second right here. But mm. uh, Anthony Wong, man, uh, I just recently watched uh, Taxi Hunter. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a wild movie. Very, very entertaining. That's, I, I highly yes. recommend that. Mm. Uh, you guys have not seen And you know, you know, Anthony Wong is, uh, I think, one of the best dramatic actors to come out of Hong Kong. But a lot of people don't realize he's a legit martial artist. He's been studying Tai Seng Pekwa Kung Fu, which is a kind of monkey style for years and years. And he's really, really good. And I think it's only in the last decade or so that he started to show martial arts on screen. And yeah. I remember asking him about that and he was kind of like, Kung Fu is for me. It's not to do with my work. And I respect that, but answer a legitimate martial art practitioner. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, you know, the outside of the the Yip Man franchise, mm. his Yip Man movie uh, is good. It's great, mm. you know, and it's legit. It's a lot of people's favorites. Uh, they put that over some of the other side right. Yip Man project uh, mm. films. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he's great. And oh man, Prodigal Son. Prodigal mm. Son, uh, it might be top five or top ten for me. Martial arts yes. movies, man. It's so good. It's so I good. mean, what what I love about Prodigal Son, I mean, there's lots of things, but for me, Sammo Hong is a big uh, inspiration and influence because if we talk about, like, these days I'm doing more action directing or choreography, action design, I really like fight scenes to feel like fights. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying they need to be realistic because most movie fights aren't realistic. And most of us know that when yeah. we watch action movies. It's a suspension of disbelief. We know it's not documentary realism. But I like it to feel like a fight within the world of that story, of that movie or of that TV show. And in Prodigal Son, they're using classical kung fu. Nobody ever in the millions of fights across the human history, nobody ever had a real fight like that, you know, that lasted more than 10 seconds. Yeah. 
But we suspend our disbelief, we enjoy it for the spectacle, for the great techniques, but also you feel that those characters hurt each other. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about Sam Hong's work is whether it's a, a pure Kung Fu movie, a fantasy film or a modern day action film, his action is hard hitting and there's intent. I watch a lot of movies, a lot of series, and sometimes I see choreography and it really bugs me because I see choreography. I see actors or stunt people trying to remember choreography, but forgetting to tell the story of mm. people trying to hurt or you yeah. know, people with bad intentions towards each other, you know? And that's, that's something I will, when I'm choreographing, on a project like mayhem or gangs of london i have my team with me and they're an integral part of the process and chris webb who's like my right hand man sometimes we'll be putting something together and we'll watch it and i'll say does it feel like a fight mm. does it feel like and, and and it's kind of like if he goes yeah bro it feels like a fight then i go okay it doesn't have to be realistic but it needs to feel like a fight exactly and and, and you look at Samo hong's work normally Unless he's going for real broad comedy, right? It feels like a fight. Yeah, pedicab driver. I mean, look at the Absolutely. fight scenes in that. It's it's insane. Mm. It's insane. But speaking of insanity, how was it working with Van Dam himself? That's right. That's right. The muscles from Brussels. How was it working with him on knockoff? It, it, it was a it was an absolute pleasure. You know, uh, again, it's like a surreal thing i had posted i had a blood sport poster on my bedroom wall when i was a kid yeah you know and Classic. i would watch his movies and yeah. i would stretch and i would try and do the splits and then i remember i'd been in hong kong i don't know maybe less than a year i got a message saying oh there's a casting for a van damme film and i thought i don't stand a chance because they will want guys that are two meters tall and bodybuilders but no, this movie was a knockoff. Choi Huck was directing and they needed a load of guys to play Russian mafia. I'm sure if they'd filmed the movie in Bulgaria or in the States, I wouldn't have had a chance because I was like 19 years old, little baby faced kid who had to very quickly grow a beard to try and look <laughs> older, you know? But um, it was an amazing experience, really. I mean, I, I love Choi Huck's movies. Uh, I've watched, you know, Zoo Warriors. Chinese ghost story. Again, Sammo Hong was directing the second unit. And um, there was a lot of real Hong Kong uh, stunt talent working on that film. So Mars yeah. was working on that movie as a stuntman, Benny Lai. And um, no, it was, it was a really special experience. And yeah. I have to say Van Damme was like super approachable, super nice. Uh, I had to like leap on him and I'm trying to strangle him. And Mike Miller stands up and is trying to slash Van Damme with some uh, sharp glass. And Van Damme grabs and pulls me in. Well, I've rehearsed the action with Van Damme's stunt double, Alex Kozilicki. And uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme had been watching. And then he came over and said, OK, let's do it. And on the first take, when he pulled me, I accidentally hit him in the chin with my elbow. Oh. And I thought, that's the end of my career. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and on cut, I said, oh, I'm really, really sorry. And he said, don't worry. And he said, uh, just be careful next time. 
I can promise you I didn't hit him again with my elbow, <laughs> you know, but just, just a, a nice person to work with. And what's kind of surreal to me is that that movie we shot in 97 and then I think 21 years later, I'm working on Gangs of London and Xavier Jeans is one of the directors, Xavier Jeans, who directed Mayhem. Xavier worked on Knockoff as well. He was like a, I think he was an assistant to one of the producers. We had been on the same set together. Wow. That we'd never, we'd never realized. And uh, wow, you've come yeah. full circle. Come full We've circle. We've come full circle. Yeah. How cool is that? How cool is that? But this kind of took me off guard here, <laughs> and I was going through your resume. Uh, what is what is this show? Because I see some familiar faces. This show right here. Spirit Warriors with Benedict Wong, uh, who's on fire. You may know him from Doctor Strange, everybody watching right now. Uh, the IT crowd. And uh, it's, uh, Jessica Henwick, I believe. Uh, but she's so young. So what was yeah. this, the series about? This was a uh, children's series for the BBC, which is the main British uh, sort of broadcaster. And uh, it was very inspired by Chinese legends. And um, I think it was Jessica's first professional job. I think she'd just uh, come out of stage school or something like that. So it was a children's series, um, very inspired by sort of like the Monkey King legend and, yeah. and this sort of thing. And I remember I'd, I'd moved back to the UK after eight years in Hong Kong and read something in like, a, it was either online or in like a bit of TV news that the BBC children's television were going to do a show that was influenced by Chinese fantasy and martial arts. And I thought, oh, I, I, I think that sounds like a job for me. And um, I saw the name of the executive producer who was also one of the directors and the the BBC have a certain format for people's uh, work email addresses. So I just wrote a, I essentially cold called and said, excuse me, you don't know who I am, but I presented myself and said, if there's any kind of role that I might be suitable for on this show, I'd love to, to speak to you about it. And the email reached him and we came in and discussed things. And it was, uh, you know, it's very tame by the TV standards of like Gangs of London because it was made for a ch children audience. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh, very much, uh, you know, it was nice to bring, you know, the, a little bit of flavor of like Chinese ghost story and zoo warriors into this show. And oh, that's great. Yeah, that was fun. I was just like, what is this? Because as I recognize those two actors, how cool is that? Mm. Man, how was it uh, being a part of the first Kingsman movie, being a part of some of the action there? Um. You know, I would say it was uh, it was actually a really, really informative experience, a great experience. I mean, Brad Allen, who I knew from Hong Kong, uh, we worked together on the medallion. He was part of Jackie Chan's team. Brad became a very uh, successful and competent action designer and action director. And he was in the UK and he messaged me and said, you know, I'm doing this film. Are you interested in coming in and working as a performer? And of course I was, and I got to experience the Brad Allen previs, that sort of level of shooting the fight scene, editing the fight scene within an inch of its life before you step on set. So I got to work as a performer for a few weeks on the previs on Kingsman. And then 
for the church fight, for instance, I think it was eight days of shooting. And before that, we did five days of rehearsal in the location with the camera operator. So, and we match uh, everything shot for shot, camera move for camera move with the previous. And uh, I mean, it's a real luxury to have that much time, eight days to shoot a fight, and then also to have five days of rehearsal. But that's the kind of level it takes, along with a lot of very talented stunt people uh, to make action of that that level. But uh, I mean, I'm just a very small part of that sequence. There's a lot of stunt performers. There's a lot of background performers. But I think it's a classic, that fight. Oh, I do think it's one of the best uh, of, of recent years. And I'm very, very grateful to Brad Allen for giving me the opportunity to participate and also to learn. And um, yeah. wherever he is, I yeah. hope he's, I hope he's doing well. We salute Brad, rest in power. But yeah, he changed the game. He really did. He did. Uh, and this is still the best film in the series, uh, in my opinion. Mm. This is still the best one. Uh, but yeah, that fight. Shout out to all the stuntmen and filmmakers who made that fight happen. Shout out to all of you. Uh, but yeah, it blew me away, and it still blows me away to this day. Uh, but again, man, you're on fire, on a roll, uh, being a part of other projects that I've I've enjoyed a lot. Especially uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe, man. It's cool to see you part of uh, several horror projects uh, as well. But uh, how was it uh, filming? How intense was it filming the action sequences for Sand uh, Castle there? Sand Castle was a challenge. I mean, I've done a few. I've worked in the Middle East quite a bit, and and I've worked in Jordan quite a bit, and I love working there in terms of the. The locations are beautiful and the Jordanian crews and, and local actors and stunt people, they're, they're really good people. It's a, a tough place in terms of there's not a lot of all these stunt equipment or, or resources that we might take for granted in the UK or in France. Um, but Sandcastle was tough just because the director wanted very much to do a lot of the scenes as long developing shots. So it was very choreographed very long takes without a lot of cuts. And that means it's not easy to swap an actor out for a stunt double because they clearly see that it's the actor doing it. And so it, it, there were challenges like, you know, we need to get the actors, you know, we need to have the actors arrive at this base. The camera needs to go up, see a Black Hawk helicopter come down and land. Then we need to see people getting out of the helicopter, take some actors, put them in the helicopter, and then go up in the air. And it's all happening for real without any visual effects or any trickery. So it was a challenge. But, wow. um, you know, some really good actors on that one, like um, Glenn Powell, who's doing very well in his career, and uh, Mr. Henry Cavill. Yeah. How was it working with Henry? He was a gentleman. I mean, an nice. absolute gentleman. He... Uh, I think he's got a lot of respect for the military and I think he has some members of the military in his family. So he wanted to ah. do, do it right. And he's yeah. very respectful of like how he would portray that on screen, but he worked very well with the technical advisors and myself and uh, very easy going. Very, very, I'd, I'd happily work with him again. Nice. Nice. And going back up to Kingsman a little bit here, going back to what you said earlier, you know, taking eight days to do that fight. Uh, I just want to reiterate uh, basically what you said, because uh, look at the result. All you future filmmakers out there, all you future action filmmakers and director, 
directors out there uh take the time <laughs> take, I, I'm take gonna, the time I'm gonna say Preston, can you re-say it and say all you producers out there and all you assistant directors that do our schedules yes <laughs> we need more time That's yes. it, you know, because i've had in, in all seriousness um jumping ahead you know after gangs of london i had uh, you know i've had quite a lot of productions approach me and say we would like to do fight sequences of that sort of intensity or that sort of quality and i say to them okay i'll tell you what it's going to take and one of the things it's going to take is time you know gareth evans is a genius and yes the stunt people that i work with are brilliant but the reason why the action's good isn't simply because gareth is a genius and he's surrounded by talented people there needs to be the time to do it exactly and yeah. too often uh people want you to you might even on some big big movies uh in you know shooting in the uk some of the big studio um, superhero movies the stunt people will say yeah we had weeks to rehearse it weeks to choreograph it weeks to train the actors but then we had to shoot the fight in a day and it's like well you can't expect it to be really good if you spend a day exactly Exactly. compared to something like Kingsman where they might spend a week on a fight. Yeah. So you hear that producers, <laughs> all you producers out there, it's worth yeah. it. It's worth it. Yes. Let the men do what they do best. Um, but <laughs> you know, it just popped up in my head just now. A good example is uh, fist of the North star with Gary Daniels, mm. uh, another extremely talented martial artist. I met him uh, briefly in real life. Cool, cool guy. But, um, the fight scenes in that were rushed, you know, him and him and his uh, master choreographed this amazing finale. And, uh, the director, I forgot his name. He es escapes me right now. He directed Hellraiser two. Uh, he's like a horror movie director guy. And I love Hellraiser two, but he, he was just like, Oh God, I'm so tired of these fights. I'm so tired of shooting fights. Can we, can we just wrap it up? And if you watch the end finale fight, it, it's so like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like he's, he kicks three guys over here and then it's a cut to him over here. It's like all over the place. It's just like, Oh, it's a shame. You know, they never got the, had the time to I mean, do I mean, what the you wanted. Is, when, when we're making movies or TV series, time is money. So it's very easy to say, Oh, we need a week. Right. Uh, or we didn't have enough time, but really I think it's important to cut your cloth according you know, yes. and schedule according. And I would say that to do like the, the gangs of London level of action, a good ratio of a day's shooting translates to about 45 seconds of screen time. 45 exactly. seconds to a minute of screen time of fighting. Yeah. So right. if you want a two minute fight, you want two to three days of shooting. And if you have that rationale that, that in the back of your head, early early on you can try to schedule accordingly and then the producers can say okay if you're getting two days we need to lose a day from something else or we can't afford to do that you're going to have to do a shorter fight but i'm much more interested in quality over quantity and xavier and i had worked on gangs of london together so when he was prepping and scheduling mayhem which i may refer to occasionally as farang because that's how it's known in france so in my head it's been farang for two years yeah, um, yeah. 
he he would say to me, how long do you need to do this fight, Jude? And I would say, okay, two days, three days. And then he was able to say to the producers, okay, you can have this many minutes of high quality action and we can spread them out, you know, according across the movie like so. Um, That's how you do it. So, Perfect. Yeah, it is. I, I, for me, I would rather watch a movie that's well made that has a, a good two minute fight scene than watch a five minute fight scene, which is just a bunch of choreography and, you yeah. know, exactly. bad camera choices. Exactly. How was it working with uh, Mr. Batista over here in Final Score? The real, the real remake of Sudden Death. In my opinion, that's true. That's anyone true. else said that? Am I the only guy? That has, has anyone else said that? Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's a gentleman. I I really enjoyed working with with David and and also Rob DeGroot, who is his his stunt double. Rob's a, a big guy, not as big as Dave, but uh, a, a Dutch stunt performer uh, who studied wushu, I think, for nine years. He'd also worked with Hong Kong stunt teams, and. Um, no, David's just a really, he's a real gentleman. And I have to say that I've met a couple of people from the, the WWE world and they have been absolute gentlemen. I think there's something to be said for, it's a bit like, you know, Yun Biu coming from a stunt background. I think some of these people that are in positions as actors and as stars, but who understand hard work, um, right. They can keep their feet on the ground and, and be gentlemen to work with. And Dave is one of those guys. He's got a sense of humor. It's a bit dry, you know, but he's respectful to people. He's polite and he enjoys and he's he cares. I remember yeah. sh we were showing him some of the choreography and it's very normal if you work with a star, you show them the choreography and they may have input. And if you work with some actors, they can overanalyze or they just don't want to look bad because of their ego. Mm -hmm. Dave was the opposite. We had a fight between him and Martin Ford. I don't know if you know who Martin oh, Ford oh, yeah. is, but Martin. Dave's a big guy. Martin <laughs> towers over yeah. Dave. Yeah. And when we showed Dave the choreography, we had him quite heroic. And he sort of was quiet. And he looked and he said, no, 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 guys. He needs to treat me like a piece of shit. He said, the audience is used to seeing me being the bigger guy. Now they get to see me get beaten up. And Dave wanted to look like less of a hero. Yeah. Because, and he was absolutely right and, and uh, super cooperative, but he understood his audience and he yeah. wasn't afraid to make himself look weaker. Yeah. Where you'd be surprised. I hear stories about actors that are unable to divorce the character from the persona from their persona and if the character looks weak or vulnerable they think somehow it reflects badly on them as a human being go figure yeah yeah go figure uh but yeah everybody watching this uh video right now hey please go out and watch final score <laughs> ray stevenson rest in power he's a great villain in it i mean it's it's, it's when i watched it i was like oh my god they made a 90s action movie <laughs> like today yeah. It's like even has a 90s style hip hop song in the credits. I was like, dude, this is this is fun. Yeah, final score was 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 a lot of fun. It was a blast for sure. Uh, what are the positives and uh some of the negatives on being a part of a huge big budget projects like Star Wars and, and Transformers? What's the, the good and the I bad mean, with that? 
on those movies, I have to just say I, I, I was I was just a stunt performer and I just worked a couple of days, so I don't have great insight about those particular ones. But I can say on those big movies, there's budget. There's budget to do things, to have the equipment, and um, the, sometimes the time, you know, to rehearse and so on. Uh, and if you care about creature comforts, there's the budget for good hotels and good catering and nice coffee on set. Right. <laughs> what comes with those movies often is understandably a greater sense of the studio control and studio input. And I understand because if they're putting hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, they want to have a say about how their money is being spent. So there's definitely not the hands off experience where they just trust the filmmaker to get on and make the film. Although in the case of Michael Bay, maybe that's not the case because he's got a proven track record of making big budget movies. Maybe they leave him alone. But so the big movies, there tends to be the, the resources. I would say that with those bigger movies, there's often a lot more stress. Mm. So the, the cast, Certain, certainly not the not the cast or the crews can be a lot more stressed. There can be a lot of pressure on people, so they can be less fun to work on in that regard. Gotcha. And also, sometimes, not always, with bigger movies come bigger stars, and sometimes that means very big egos. Mm. Right, comes I, with the territory. I, I, it goes with the territory, but yeah. I quite like a situation where there's less ego. Mm -hmm. And if that means a little bit less budget, but everybody's working together creatively to make something they believe in, I'm happy. Well said, well said. Uh, stunt coordinating, Yip Man 4. How was it working uh, with Donnie, Mr. Yen there? Well, I have to say, just, just to clarify, you know, I was the UK stunt coordinator on Yip Man. And what that meant was I was there to help facilitate uh, the safety side, the, that kind of thing. I, I didn't get involved in the choreography. You know, I, I'd love okay. to take credit for Yimor Pig's work, but no, 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 he's a <laughs> genius. He's a master. Um, for me, it was great. I mean, I think a big reason why I got that job was that I, I live in, I live it was living in the UK and that I, I worked in the Hong Kong industry and I can speak Cantonese. So the UK producers knew that I would be a good fit in terms of interfacing with the Hong Kong stunt team. And uh, the sort of things that I did do was help. There was a fight at a high school and they needed some high school kids to get sort of beaten up by Donnie Yen. Well, I was able to help find the people to play those kids because we needed like a mixture of martial artists and stunt performers who looked like they might be in an American high school. And uh, for me, it was like, I was just super happy. I mean. Sometimes after working in Hong Kong, working on British productions can be a bit frustrating because the, the way they shoot fights can be very backward, very old fashioned. So to be on a set watching a master like Yun Wopeng do a fight scene, it's just, it's a privilege. And, you know, I would pay to watch him work and I'm getting paid to be on set and, and watch him work and be part of that process. Yeah. And for me, it was like a, a really nice little tick in the box because when I was in Hong Kong, I worked with Samo, Tony Cheng, 
uh, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, you know, a lot of the great action filmmakers, I didn't get to work with Yun Mo Peng. So to work with Yun Mo Peng later on in my career was, was really, uh, it was wonderful and it was great to watch him. And one of the things I learned watching him was he'd mapped out a sequence with his team a few days before filming. And everybody was on board with it and they were impressed. And then I remember after a couple of hours of working on the choreography, him pausing and just questioning himself about one of the choices he'd made and saying, maybe the tone isn't right for this. Hmm. And I was impressed because in this industry, you'll often encounter people that don't want to admit that they're wrong or who don't want to interrogate their own ideas in front of people, like to show self-doubt or lack of conviction. But Yomopeng wanted to find the approach that was right for the scene. And if that meant discarding an idea that he'd had half an hour earlier, he would. So I was impressed. I don't know if that makes sense, but I was impressed by his humility. Yeah. And what I also saw was he's not a young man, but he still has a lot of mischievous energy. He has a sense of humor. Nice. And seeing that on set, and of course, people consider him to be a master. He's a Sifu and he's shown a lot of respect, but he still has this bit of mischief about him. And when you see him in person, it's easy to see the person, the mind that came up with Snake in the Egret Shadow and Uncle Master. And I would say that Master Yun Ping is a very young old man. And I think <laughs> those of us who are fortunate enough to live to an old age should try and keep that in mind is to stay young. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I got the gray hair, you know, I can't, I can't deny it anymore, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big kid, big kid at heart. Uh, but that's awesome, man. Just being part of a Yuan Wuping project like that. And I love the fight with Mark Strange. You know, I've had him on the show a couple times. Uh, that guy's great. Uh, but yeah, right now, I mean, look at this. Yes, being a part of these projects right here, man. The, the horror action thriller Apostle with Dan Stevens, the critically acclaimed Gangs of London, and everyone's most highly anticipated action thriller of the year, Havoc with Tom Hardy. Man, how was it being a part of these projects and working with the legend of Evans, the legend of Evans, <laughs> Mr. Gareth. You, you know, I think I really do think Gareth Evans is a genius. I think he's a, an incredibly talented filmmaker and not just for action. I think he's a, a master of pacing and master of suspense. And um, he's also a really decent human being and he's become a very good friend and, and someone I'm very, very grateful to know uh, aside from my work life, and I, I don't want to lay it on too thick, but I, I consider myself incredibly fortunate that I get to work with some of my closest friends and love, uh, Gareth being one of them, also members of my stunt team. Um, super, super lucky. I remember when I got contacted about Apostle, I remember where I was. I remember the phone call and, and this voice said, oh, we're making a, a movie in Wales. It's for Netflix and it's for Gareth Evans, who you may have heard of. And I was like, whoa. And uh, straight away, I felt like, am I going to be good enough? Because the raid is a masterpiece. I mean, it's another one of those ones. It's probably top five action movies of all time. And uh, so 
insecurity pops up, imposter syndrome. And uh, I remember going to, to Cardiff, meeting Gareth for lunch, talking about the project. And then very quickly, we're you know, a couple of weeks later, we're doing choreography and previs. And I found him to be super competent, you know, a director who knows what he wants, who has a clear vision, but also collaborative when he needs to be, open to ideas and just very humble. And uh, a, I wouldn't say an easy person to work with because he, he's, he, um, he wants to do good work and he, he sets high standards for himself and the people he works with, but a pleasant person to work with. It's a really nice environment. He's talked about it before and I've talked about it before. When we're doing action design, in that room, there is no hierarchy. The project is the boss. And Gareth might have an idea and one of my stunt people thinks it's not credible and he will just say, or she will say, actually, have you thought about this? And we all work really, really hard to shoot down each other's ideas until we find the ideas that stick. And because it's such an ego-free environment, we have a fun time doing it and we feel like we're being really, really creative. So I enjoy the previous time the most because that's real creative collaborative time. And, and I get to work with some really, really um, nice people like Gareth. Oh man, he is, again, he is a legend, has done it all. And again, uh, we're, we're dying over here for Havoc, man. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, big, huge shout out to Sonny Pang. He's been on the show several times. I keep bugging him, man. He's like, he's, he's going to block me. He's like, hey, Preston, stop. Uh, <laughs> Preston, I love you. You're my brother. But uh, I can't say anything yet. Uh, but yeah, hey, in the future, Jude, come on back. We got to talk Havoc uh, when that comes out. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm going to show everybody watching right now a little clip behind the scenes. And thank you uh, so much for sharing all of these behind the scenes and previous uh, clips that we're going to show you guys. We're going to hear his little tidbit for all of you gangs of London fans. Shame. The children I know with that. <laughs> Drop down. And then I'm up here on James. And James, you're just going to drive I'm him down. to a snow. Three, two, one, drive. Yes. Yes. Badass. Intense. Again, what did you say earlier? Feels like a real fight. Feels like there's intention to kill Thank there. You. Yeah. That was a real, that was a challenge, that fight. That was in um, one of Xavier Jean's episodes. And um, I'd worked on a choreography for a version of that fight during pre-production. And it would have probably taken about three days to shoot. And there were various schedule and budgetary requirements and rewrites that meant that there was a chance that that fight scene was going to completely get cut. And Xavier 
uh, I mean, he's talked about this, so I guess I could talk about it. He said to the producers, no, 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 this fight scene needs to happen. And he and I spoke and he, he'd seen the previous that I'd done before and said, oh, can, what can you do from that with one day of shooting? And I said, Xavier, I can't. Uh, I, we're going to have to come up with something new and I will try and design something that can be shot in one day. We talked about character. We talked about emotion. And I said, what needs to happen in this sequence? I asked him what needs to happen. And he said, Luan, that's the, the, the gentleman with the beard. He said, Luan's family is in danger. He's fighting for his life, but also the life of his family. I want to see the animal come out of him. Mm. And uh, yeah, that was, I would say, that was the beginning of a very fruitful wonderful creative uh, partnership and friendship with Xavier Jones. And um, I think we were both quite happy with what we achieved in one day of shooting. And uh, he was able to use that as a template for mayhem and say to the, the French producers, okay, there's a way of working that you guys may not be used to but uh, we're not going to shoot the fights like the way they're normally shot in France, you know, not much time and a bunch of master shots. And then the editor cuts it together. He says, I want to use this English guy who works with Gareth who's worked with me and he's going to previs the fights. And then we will shoot the previses shot for shot, edit for edit. And, um, Xavier was a real champion of that because he'd done action before. But I think working on Gangs of London, he saw how Gareth likes to work, how I like to work, and he could see what you get if you follow this model of a period of action design and then a very specific previs, which is essentially like a video storyboard. But um, it's yeah. something we follow pretty religiously when we shoot. That's pretty awesome that the, the action of Gangs of London led to mayhem. Look at that. Absolutely. That's pretty cool, man. How awesome is that? But yeah, the beast was unleashed uh, in that scene for sure. But speaking of beasts being unleashed, mayhem, baby. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now let's get to the main topic of the podcast, the film that everyone is saying. You know, it's the best action movie of 2024 over here, you know, when it was released digitally. As soon as it came on Amazon Prime, which you guys can watch it right now on Amazon Prime, rent it, tell your friends. Uh, people were already hitting me up, Jude. They were already hitting me up saying, best action movie of 2024. <laughs> <laughs> like, as like, soon as it came out digitally, people were already watching it. Maybe it's, maybe it's just like best action movie so far, you know, <laughs> the yeah, first yeah, year. Yeah week yeah. of the year yeah like they were just going crazy so i mean that's it just shows uh how well done the movie you know uh, is man it's so good you know i when i reviewed it here on the channel i gave the action and the stunts an a baby that's oh, right thank you this is so good it's very so different it's very difficult if you're super super involved to have like an objective uh, perspective on things you know everything I work on I look at it and I can see things that could be better or things that I wish could be different if people are enjoying mayhem and I know that some people are if people are enjoying the action then I'm super super grateful uh, to them for for watching the film and I'm very happy that they enjoy the work that uh, a lot of people 
you know, worked very hard on. Oh, yeah. And you could see it on screen. That's right. That's what martial arts and action movie buffs like me. <laughs> this is what we live for, man. Films like this. Uh, so let's take a look at some of the action, some of the previs, some of the behind the scenes stuff. Let's take a look at it right here. Great. Okay, thank you. Let's board. Yes. Roll, please. Three. And set. And three, two, one, action. Yes! Ooh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Loved that fight. Loved it. How challenging was to put that together? It was it was one of those ones where uh, we did the choreography and the previs really quickly. Um I, I'm sometimes resistant to doing the so-called oneers because I think a lot of the time when people do oneers, it becomes a gimmick and mm. you end up being in service of the gimmick. And I think that can be distracting from once again, it feeling like a fight. And the examples would be one is where you can tell that stunt people are waiting. You can tell that the actors and the stunt people are holding back because they're trying to remember a minute's worth of choreography and yeah. you lose the danger. But this was a pretty short thing. So when we put it together, myself and the action design team, it was like, okay, let's try and keep it all in one shot right up until the moment where it's a shock moment where a meat cleaver goes in a woman's throat and it's hopefully a shock to the audience, but also it's a shock to the, the main character, Sam. Um, so choreographing it, shooting the previews was quite easy. And then on the night, um, I think we did 17 takes just to get it right. And, you know, yeah. sometimes it would be, uh, I was in the wrong place with the camera. Sometimes, you know, Nassim would lose the knife as he was taking it off the stunt woman. But I think after 17 takes, you were quite happy. And um, I mean, it was a tough one for the stunt people and, and for Nassim because, you know, as soon as we've got a take, we'll watch the playback and we're like, okay, let's go again. You know, let's go again. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, credit to the, the Thai stunt people because they are absolute warriors. And yeah. uh, credit to Nassim if he wasn't in such good shape and if he wasn't uh, a real martial artist, mm -hmm. I think he would have struggled with that. And by real martial artist, I mean, he he can dig deep because he's been a fighter. Oh, yeah. yeah he's not, sure. I'm an actor, treat me with kid gloves. You know, he wants to yeah. get in there and he wants to get the results. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And sometimes uh, real, like real fighters, that have competed in the sport, sometimes it's hard for them to transition to movie fighting. Yes. It takes a while. Uh, yes. You know. But uh, Nassim, yeah. uh, shout out to Nassim, baby. Shout yeah, out to you, Nassim. You killed it, brother. And the Thai stunt team. Big shout out. For sure, yeah. for sure. I mean, think about Nassim. He's really fought, but he's also had a bit of action experience before. So he understood that you need to make your punches wider for them to sell on camera. You need to yeah. make your kicks look pretty, you know, because he's got good technique, but also he's a fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. So he knows what a, a good looking kick is. And, uh, you know, I'd be saying to Nassim because he came from a kickboxing background, 
he would stand very tall the way kickboxers do using their lead leg, their teep to keep. And I would say, Nassim, drop your weight, you know, deepen your stance. That looks more powerful on camera. Right. And, and you know, he, he would watch the playback and he would see, you know, yeah, but he I, was, uh, he, yeah. you know, it's, it was nice after years of working with actors that maybe didn't have a fighting background to work with someone with such a, a foundation in martial arts. It, it reminded me of being back in and working with actors who were martial artists, even if they weren't fighters, you know, martial arts was part of their, you know, blood. Yeah. 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 He, he killed it, man. Hard work pays off. Yes. Uh, everyone involved, man, just, just did a phenomenal job. Let's look at some more, man. This is another one of my favorite fights in the movie. How long did it take to put this previous? I can't remember. I think we did like three and a half weeks of previs in, in the UK for the whole movie. I mean, this was very much a, a pandemic experience. So, uh, you know, Xavier was doing prep in Thailand. He couldn't be with us in the UK because there was all kinds of lockdowns and then quarantines. So. Oh, that, nice. that right there. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, I mean, this, oh, this was so good. Oh, so good, so good. Shout I remember to... when we were shooting the previs and I just had this idea because Xavier was in Thailand and he was sending me photos from the locations and saying what could happen and where there could be props and bits of furniture. And I just remember thinking this could be a really exciting, sexy shot to have a camera inside this glass cabinet I followed this guy as he falls through. And I remember thinking, it's kind of an abstract out there shot. It might be the kind of thing a director will push back on and go, whoa, you know, that's yeah. crazy. But Xavier, if he feels it's right for the project, push back on it and he will do everything to make it happen. And um, yeah, we were able to to figure it out how to do it properly because it's easy to do it with cardboard boxes it's <laughs> yeah. a bit more work yeah. to do it with the uh, sugar glass and balsa oh, yeah. in thailand and it was so brutal it's such a brutal scene and i love how you called it sexy I thought, that's great that's great <laughs> but yeah uh i got a chance to interview ron smorenberg last year and uh that was like one of my best interviews uh he's so he, he's a great dude extremely he talented is. But I love how you had him, uh, you know, doing these knees on the bottom right here. Ron was giving these knees, this digging in. That was great. Well, it, it's one of those things that I, I don't, like I said, I don't think what I do is realistic, but I like to use techniques that may be grounded in reality sometimes. And giving somebody a knee when you're on the floor, that's the kind of thing that people that watch UFC will recognize. Yeah. You know, of dirty but legitimate techniques yeah and um it just felt right when we were choreographing i'm just gonna give a little shout out to rajab hassan that's playing the sam character who's taking the knees there a brilliant german stunt performer nice. and that's andy taylor playing the role that ultimately ron would play andy taylor's an english stunt guy who's worked in hong kong a lot the first time i worked with him was on blood the last vampire in china nice. in, yeah yeah I think in 2008 um both great great stunt people and and they were you know really wonderful when we were doing this previous oh yeah and let's take a look at a of that sexy shot again here i mean look at this like 
Oh, it was so brutal in the movie. Oh, so good. So good, man. And that right there is just brilliant. Oh, man. Were you were you a kid in a candy store, uh, Jude? Well, <laughs> the thing coming is... Up, coming up with awesome things. It's, it's um, Xavier is one of those directors that is so enthusiastic and so ego-free that he wants oh. to bring out the best from his team and he encourages people to give ideas and be creative and then he will filter it down to what works for his movie. So it wasn't like my stunt team and I shot a bunch of previs and just said, Xavier, that's it. Right. We would send them to him for his feedback and for his notes. Um, but most of the time he was just really, really happy, enthusiastic with what he was seeing. And he's not one of the, sometimes you work with directors that have to change something just to show you that they're boss in the same way that if you're a fight choreographer, sometimes your stunt coordinator has to change something just to show you that they're above you. I try not to be that way. If, if a member of my stunt team gives me a bit of choreography that's I think is better than what I've just come up with, I will use it. And that's yeah, my that's... job is to do what's best for the film. And Xavier, if I show him something and I go, hey, what do you think? If he likes it, we, he will do everything to, to try and make that possible. Nice. And I did feel like Kid in the Candy Store because also if you do this kind of choreography in most, let's say, British or American stories, it's too martial arty or it's too fanciful. But we have a lead character who's a martial artist and we're in Thailand. So if the characters are using martial art techniques and doing jump front kicks to the, the heads of their opponents, it suits the world. So... For me, when Zav first told me about the story for Mayhem and that the character was a martial artist and I knew that I could work with Thai stunt people, I was super excited. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Shout out to the director, baby. That's right. Shout out to Xavier. Shout yeah. out to, to Ron Schmerenberg for yeah. ultimately playing the guy that's I mean, Ron face-planted through a sugar glass cabinet. I mean, that's a tough stunt. And, and he... he did it like a champ. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he is another legend for sure. All right, now we're taking a look at the corridor fight. Two, one, action. <laughs> yeah, so that's Nassim doing a bit of uh, rehearsal like a day or two before we started shooting the corridor fight. And uh, I like to I like to rehearse the stunt people and the actors on a shot by shot basis, so they understand what's going to be required for them shot by shot, just like when we shoot the fight. So we're really following the previs, and they understand where the overlaps are. Yeah, where's the where's the uh, location at? What is this? Where's this at? This was a uh, some kind of factory or warehouse uh, in Bangkok former yeah. factory and uh it, it's it provided a few places so in the movie it's the place where the you know they arrive on the jetty by the water that's actually the, the building that's there so oh, okay you know this uh, location provided various places nice nice look look at the face jude yeah that's what that's what i'm talking about man knows how to emote 
you know he knows how to emote and also because because we previous and we know on a shot by shot basis what we want we can say to the actor for this shot it begins here it ends at this point they can look at the previous and understand and they know where they need to be energy wise psychologically at that given moment if you shoot fight scenes in the traditional american style of master shots with five different cameras rolling yeah the actor doesn't know what camera they're playing to and sometimes that's good for drama but for this kind of stylized fight scene you want to know where the camera is at any given moment so you can sell the technique so you can sell the look and nasim i think really enjoyed doing this kind of action because he hadn't done it that way before nice yeah yeah you don't want to mess with this guy no. <laughs> Actually, he's a real sweetheart, though. He's a, he's, a, he's a good guy. Nice. And you can see just in the background there, the, the guy with the long hair uh, and the mask uh, just there uh, in the vest. That's Charlie, our Thai stunt coordinator, and uh, he features in the elevator fight. Charlie is a brilliant stunt coordinator, actor, martial arts performer. And uh, he was a real asset to the film. I had two great stunt coordinators on this film. I had Charlie and I had Olivier Saar from France. And Olivier was uh, responsible for teaching Nassim the fights and preparing him uh, for the role. Man, shout out to Charlie and Olivier, man, for sure. And you had some badass female uh, fighters. We certainly did. Stunt women, man. Shout out to them, too. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, very much an uh, equal opportunity kind of uh, show. You know? I, I love I mean, it, though. I love it. Like, you want all villains to get it, right? You want yes, absolutely. horrible, horrible people, male and female, but they're horrible criminals and villains. They all getting it. That's absolutely. It. That's how Nobody gets treated gently in this movie. That's right. That's how it should be, man. Ooh. Oh, I love the lighting, man. I love the yeah, lighting. Yeah, I mean, uh, cinematography uh, Gilles, is so good. Gilles Port, the, the DOP, did a, a great job working with the, the gaffer, Gregoire, Gregory, um, in giving it this look. I mean, Mayhem's not the biggest budgeted movie, you know, but it, uh, it doesn't, I think, have that straight-to-video look that a lot of movies of this sort of budget level have. You know? Oh, no. This looks phenomenal. Cinematography is so good. So good. And I love, uh, it's one of my favorite things uh, about this film is all the different camera angles, but yet you, 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 to keep the fights fresh, but yet you still see everything, <laughs> which is the most important thing. You know, you see the movement still, you know, it's what I, I say to, to producers when I interview or I have meetings about jobs, I say that choreography and performance is at most 50 percent i mean yes you need good choreography you need actors perform or stunt people can perform but the fights live and die by the camera work editing i mean the sound design as well but there are so many movies we can you can probably think of them i know i can i know a lot of stunt people and fight choreographers can think of fight scenes where the choreography was good where everybody on the day did a good job but the people who filmed it 
and the people that edited it just made a meal of it snake um, eyes snake eyes yeah okay i mean <laughs> kenji, Tan kenji tanagaki did choreography and action design for that yeah. and he's he's one of the best in the world yeah wait i don't imagine if, if the action's not good it's not going to be because of kenji no you know, kenji's brilliant mm -hmm. and uh uh yeah so i'm a big believer in in previs and then if the producers or the director wants to change something change it during the previs mm. refine the previs but when you get on set try and shoot that previs and i like where where it's appropriate i like the camera to be another participant in the fight so that yes. means if it's static like on a shot like this and lets you see the action fine yeah. But then on the continuing shot, the camera's following the stuntman down to the ground and coming back up. I just want there to be an energy to it, which is in sync with the choreography. So that poor guy, I think a few seconds later, he gets his head slammed into a wall. You know, the camera dances with him. Yeah. I, I, and uh, yeah, I, I love that. And that's certainly something that I learned in Hong Kong. Brad yeah. Allen does, did it very well. Gareth uses the camera really, really well. And, yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's almost like they're, they're making the audience part of the fight. But yeah, I want the audience it, to feel involved. Yes, yes. yes. And speaking yeah. of feeling involved, this right here, man, this part of the movie, this fall, wow, it blew me away right in the beginning of the movie, man. I was like, wow, that was insane. How'd you pull this fall off? Um, it wasn't super difficult to do. It was quite simple. It involved some good stunt rigging and a little bit of visual effects. Uh, and again, a bit of forward planning. But uh, I felt that it's such a critical moment in the movie. I mean, spoiler alert, Sam unwittingly kills somebody. And that's the reason why he has to leave France and end up in Thailand. Yeah. And I thought this has to be dramatic and we need to see it. And I talk to Xavier about, okay, let's try and see this man falling to his death in one shot. So it feels like an unbroken shot. And hopefully the audience is like, it's an important moment. That was me. I felt we could go to slow motion because it's a dramatic moment. And, and the fact that we were shooting slow motion also made it possible to, yeah. to do it safely. Yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Let's keep it keep the action going here see look at look at look at her on the side here look at she look she ready she got yes. that she got that machete man she is ready to go <laughs> those those Thai stunt performers they they are brilliant they're so tough that she uh that stunt stunt performer may melody when we were doing the previous for the elevator fight and when they grabbed Nassim and they're dragging him into the elevator and I was shooting the previous and the art department had built us a, a very simple metal elevator just for previous. And we were doing take after take. And I was saying, guys, I need more power. I need it to be more violent. And when I got the take, I wanted, bearing in mind, this is the previous, this isn't the movie. They slammed into the wall and I was like, cut. That's great. And May was bleeding from her arm. There was blood going down her arm. And she stepped out of the elevator. And I walked in and I was thinking maybe there was a metal bolt or something that should, or a screw or something. 
And but no, there was nothing sticking out. And Charlie came over and said to me, no, no, no. May was doing another job a few weeks ago and she had stitches and uh, the stitches should have healed by now, but um, clearly they haven't. So an old wound had opened up and she was bleeding and she wanted to carry on. And I I said, no, go to hospital. So May went to hospital. She was back with us later, having been stitched up and she carried on uh, previsiting with us for another two days. And then like the following week, she was there in the elevator that's right you know tough tough stunt performers all right yeah shout out to her for sure oh look at the camera work oh i think it's the final result there look at that oh look at man he's so good i hope you guys work together again (laughs) oh i i i i i I will be working with nassim again i can't say much more than that what I like about uh, you know the Thai stunt people is then they're not afraid to take hits and uh, I, I I like uh, I like it when there's contact especially obviously not to the face but when it's to the body if you can pad up or if you've got the right conditioning for it and uh, as long as the camera shows the that connection I like to see the contact and that's definitely you know Samo Hong's influence oh yeah and I see I see uh, you put the camera down when he fell there to follow him. And we'll see the there you go. Camera goes down. Follow. Look at that. I love that kind of stuff, man. So good. Boom. Let's get that. Let's get this kick right here. Oh, love it. And now my favorite fight of the movie. (laughs) My favorite fight of the movie. Uh, Jude, I'm gonna be honest, brother. I I screamed. I screamed. I was watching this with my wife. My wife was on this side. My brother, uh, sexy sumo. That's what we call him. My brother, Sexy Sumo, was on the other side. And I screamed. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was, like, losing it. It, it just got, as, the, as this fight got more intense, I, I, I didn't know it was going to go that way. And so I was just, like, just, I couldn't believe it, man. Like, this is this is hands down my favorite fight uh, in the film. And we're going to show some of it, not all of it. Everybody watching right now. Because uh, we don't want to spoil too much. But, yeah. Uh, talk about the, the, was this always an idea? We needed for, for this movie, like we need an elevator fight. Yeah, the first time Xavier talked to me about the movie, he just gave me like a, a rough outline of the story, but he knew he wanted a fight in an elevator and he didn't give too many stipulations, but he knew a certain injury needed to occur to one of the characters. And he said to me, I can think of other elevator fights, uh, Die Hard 3, but Jude, I don't want to say too much because I want you to see what you can come up with with your team. So he kind of gave us carte blanche to start designing. And uh, I thought it would be fun if there was uh, bladed weapons in there. I thought if there was a gun, it would make it much more interesting. And then myself and my stunt team, which was Andy Taylor, Shane Steen, Chris Webb, Rajab Hassan, and, and Hannes Pasta, we all just played with ideas for a story of a fight and then sent blocking videos to Xavier in Thailand saying, what if this happens and then this happens? And I love to do what I would say is cause and effect choreography. So maybe early on in a fight, the gun goes off and the lampshade, the lamp of the elevator breaks. Maybe yeah. later on the glass gets used in the fight. You know, this kind of thing. And uh, Xavier gave us feedback on the on the, the blocking video and then 
we're kind of off to the races, but then we weren't because there was some COVID stuff going on down in England. So it wasn't until I got to Thailand that I was able to shoot the previs properly. But the good thing was, is that I was able to use the stunt performers that actually play in the scene. So it was a rehearsal for them um, doing the previs. And uh, I operated camera for the previs and for certain shots when we did the fight for real. So it was a rehearsal for me operating camera, kind of like rehearsing a dance with the performers because we didn't have a huge elevator set. We wanted right. the elevator to be the dimensions of a real elevator. We wanted it to feel claustrophobic and awkward. Sometimes yeah. I think when the camera work is too smooth, you lose that sense of danger. Yeah. Um, so I think we only removed the wall one time during the whole fight to get the camera where we needed it to be. We wanted it to, it was kind of almost like documentary style. We tended to use the same lens and uh, we were trying to not get in each other's way, but the danger of that, I think, helped with the fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I love how they, they made this little uh, uh, elevator for you guys to train in or do the, the previous. The, the, so the, cool. the, Thai, the Thai art department construction team, they worked so hard and they were so adaptable because this was probably less than two weeks before we actually shot the sequence. Right. So good. Oh. Oh, oh yeah, I was going to ask you, um, was uh, Simon Cook was in the film. Was he supposed to yes. have a longer fight sequence? I don't think so. I think okay. it was, uh, I think it was all, it was always meant to be quite a short scene. And okay. um, I'm not sure if it was the casting people or if it was Charlie that recommended Simon to play that role, but uh, and he did a good job. And it's an, even if it's not a, a big role. I think it's a memorable moment. <laughs> oh yeah, it is for sure. It is definitely a and, memorable uh, moment. But hey, hey, future project: Simon Cook yes. versus Nassim. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. Or Ron Smorenberg rematch. There you go. There you go. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Oh, but this is so, so phenomenal. And I'm sorry, everyone. I have to stop it. I cannot show we'll you anymore. <laughs> I cannot show you anymore uh, because, again, uh, this is the effect that fight scene had on me. Again, my, my my buddy over here was like, his mouth was down, his eyes were open, like he was in shock. I'm screaming, <laughs> like over here, and my wife is laughing hysterically because she's enjoying herself because <laughs> she likes movies. Just she likes she's just like me. She loves the violence, the martial arts, the action. She she loves the intensity. So she, when she's laughing like that, she's like on the edge of her seat, like giddy, like loving it. And she really enjoyed the movie too. But yeah, man. Hey, ho, what, what? Mayhem. That's right. This movie scratched the action itch, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you guys, everybody watching right now is on Amazon Prime. Make sure you check it out. Jude, I could talk to you about martial arts movies and action films all day. Prodigal Son, all that stuff. Even in the back, even in the back there, I, I forgot to blow this up. Apocalypse Now, what? That's right. That's, That's right. right. Represent. And the, uh, in the Mood for Love and Apocalypse Now, the two of my favorite movies. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we're brothers. That's right. Ninja 3, The Domination. <laughs> and <Yeah>. Apocalypse, Apocalypse <laughs> Now. <laughs> we've, come, we've come full circle the come podcast interview. Circle. 
Ninja <laughs> Three: The Domination and Apocalypse Now. That's right. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I would love to, to chat with you uh, uh, all day about movies. But this man, this legend here, uh, has to. Uh, he's a busy, he's a busy man. He's a busy man. He will he'll be back. It's your second home brother. It's your second home brother. That's right. He will be back. So make sure you guys follow him. Check the link in the description box below. Follow him on Instagram on his filmmaking journey of badassity, real power stunts, baby. Oh, yeah. Represent. And before we wrap it up for today, sir, again, it was an honor to have you here. Is there anything you'd like to say to your followers? Uh, if you love action, I love action. Um, so uh, thank you for, for if you watch Mayhem, if you enjoy Mayhem, if you enjoy Gangs of London, um, it makes me very, very happy to to contribute to this uh, language and world of action that we all love. Um, thank you very much, and uh, see you at the movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, one more thing before we wrap it up. Okay. I want, <laughs> I want you guys watching this right now. I want you to snip this out, and I want you to send this to Kevin Feige. Send this to all the heads over there at Marvel, all right? This is the man right here. This, there we go, <laughs> is the man right here to direct or do the action direction for Blade. This is the man. Him and his team needs to do Blade. I'm telling you, can you imagine? Look at the fight scenes in, in Gangs of London and Mayhem. Can you imagine Blade having this kind of action? So Kevin Feige, make it happen. Normally, I would say, oh, Marvel, but but no, I, I would love to do a Blade movie. He'll do it for Blade. <laughs> that's right. That's I'd right. love to. Send that clip to Kevin Feige. Get it out there to Marvel. All right, now we can end it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Thank sir. you. Yes, yes, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Jude, don't go anywhere. But we'll see you guys on the next episode, baby. Action, martial arts. Keep supporting the genre. That's right. Mayhem, watch it, share it, love it. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Take care, guys.